my name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, I'm delighted to be joined on today's show by Rich Gibbons. Rich, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us on the programme. Hiya, Scott. No, no, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, Rich. And just for those listeners that may not be familiar with Rich and what he does, um, he's firstly the founder of Cloudy with a Chance of Licensing, a business which provides training, advice, consulting and insights around aspects such as Microsoft licensing, the cloud and FinOps. And he's also an expert in the ITAM sphere and works for the ITAM Review as a director, identifying and growing a range of ITAM and related services. Um, I'm sure, Rich, that's pretty much the succinct version of what it is that you do. So just to kind of set the scene, you know, I'd be happy to allow you to expand upon that initially and just tell us a bit more about your work. Absolutely. So, I mean, that, that was a good overview. I might have to borrow that. Um, <laughs> that, that sort of distilled it down very nicely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I work and have worked for, for too many years now in the software licensing space, you know, which leads into the asset management space. So primarily focused around Microsoft, initially but then yeah helping organizations with you know what software are they using are they using too much are they following all the correct licensing rules are are they compliant and then as we move into the cloud you know that brings a whole set of new challenges um you know things around cost management cost governance and through to sustainability as well so it's really helping people understand and manage their IT software, which, you know, over the last 20 years has become more and more integral to a business. It absolutely has. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that um, a little later on. But just before we do that, um, I would like to kind of talk about sort of your route into the uh, the industry, Rich. Um, did you always kind of know yourself that kind of moving into the IT sphere was going to be the uh, the way forward for you quite early on in your career? I don't know. Looking back, I, I, I could say yes. So, you know, I was always into computers, you know, so consoles initially, then PCs. I remember, you know, building my own PCs back when the speed of your CD drive made a difference. You know, oh, I've got a 32 speed. Um, but for for quite a while, I had my sights set on being a, a behavioral profiler for the FBI. That was my that was my main goal. Um, it didn't quite turn out. So, so then I think IT was always there as a, you know, something I was interested in. Um, but it, it was was still slightly accidental. Um, you know, I started off in a IT sales role mm. uh, at a reseller, and then sort of from the the, the IT journey began. Yeah, certainly makes sense. And uh, you mentioned as well uh, that. When it comes to sort of implementing the digital side of uh, things, I mean, it's becoming more and more important for businesses. And I think that's absolutely right in this day and age where, you know, processes improve and businesses become more lean and more um, efficient. But I suppose there's a bit of a misconception out there, isn't there, that like when you are looking to digitally transform your business, it could be as easy as going out, finding a nice piece of uh, sort of software or sexy technology, bringing it in and then everything will be OK. But I think... For the up-and-coming entrepreneur, it's quite important for them to know that it's not really that simple, is it? No, no, no matter what the 
the salesperson or the marketing documentation or the consultant, no matter what anyone says, for, for various reasons, it never ends up being that easy. Um, you know, if you're in an organization where you've already got systems and mm. you're trying to, you know, turn one into another or you're trying to add a new one, but it still needs to hook into other systems, you know, that will be complicated. There'll be APIs that don't work or, you know, certain bits of systems that are not compatible with each other. Um, but even if you're, a, you know, a brand new company, you know, you've not got anything existing, totally greenfield, you're buying in the SaaS software, the cloud software, even then, that's such a big part of digital transformation is is people and processes, not just the technology. You know, you, you can have the, the best tools in the world, but if you don't have the people who know how to use them or you don't have the processes to guide people on how to use them, you know, it will fall apart to, to some degree. You know, either no one uses it or people use, you know, 3% of its capability, but you're paying for 100%. Um, so, so yeah, digital transformation. I think a lot of organizations get caught up on the tool, you mm. know, the, the ERP, the CRM system, whatever it might be. But you need to make sure you've got the, the foundation of people and processes in place first. You do absolutely because it's it's to, for it to be truly effective. It's about sort of improving the employee experience, utilizing the technology as it is actually improving the experience for the end user, the customer, isn't it? Uh, because if you're having people in place that don't know how to sort of use the technology and get the best out of it, or in some ways might even be a little bit averse to it, because I suppose there are some misconceptions about automation at the moment that oh, it's here to sort of make certain people's roles redundant, for instance. Um, you know that it's not you're not going to get the uh, to best leverage that digital asset are you because quite simply people can't use it people can't get the best out of it and some people might well be afraid of it absolutely i think yeah training for your for your users and potentially for your customers you know depending what the, the you know the tool and the system is uh, but certainly internal people i mean i remember you know on a very basic level when microsoft introduced the ribbon into mm. office so you know now seems totally totally normal but i remember when that first came in you know people all of a sudden they didn't know how to print anymore how do i save something and you know productivity in lots of organizations dropped because no one knew how to use this new thing um but then you know, a bit of training that that sorted it all out but it was interesting how few people realize beforehand that the training w would be necessary um and and yeah you know if you don't provide it people will find workarounds you know they'll start installing unapproved software or mm. using personal devices so that they can do their job how they used to do it before you came along and made it more difficult um so so that yeah employee experience is is good for them it's good for you as a you know as a business owner or leader um you know if because as you say people are always averse to change and if they don't understand how this new system is going to help them 
you know, they'll, they'll have their kind of backs up already. Mm. And if it's then, you know, you're coming on a Monday, everything looks different, everything's in a different place, but you're expected to just figure it out. You know, that that's not conducive to, uh, to happy employees. Um, and I think certainly now, you know, with the great resignation, um, you know, to, to whatever degree you believe that's really happening, keeping employees happy more important than ever. Um, so I think digital transformation really does need that user experience for, for sure. Um, and equally with automation, you know, that, that's a great point you make that, that lots of people see it as people or automation, mm. whereas, you know, really it's people and automation. We've all got things in our jobs which we have to do, but they are boring and repetitive. And, you know, you just do the same thing every time, but it has to be done, you know, reporting mm. on figures or uploading certain things to certain places. If you can automate that for people so that they've got more time to be strategic or more time to manage their team, you know, working with them as people rather than doing kind of busy work. You know, that's how automation should be positioned. Um, but, but again, if you're doing a digital transformation project, it can't just be a kind of top-down, all right, everyone, we're buying this thing, and it's going to automate X, Y, and Z. You, know, you need to get everyone bought in to understand why you're doing it, how it will benefit them, and then you know they'll they'll help make it a success at the, in the end. It's like with AI, isn't it? That's one thing that does often get demonised due to misconception. It's not there to take your jobs. It's essentially there to do all of that sort of boring, redundant stuff that seems, um, and then it makes your life easier. It gives you the ability to go and make decisions, doesn't it? So it's about kind of dispelling that misconception but also actually making sure that you're investing the time as a leader to make sure that people are trained in how to use new technology. And with regards to the great resignation, as you've already alluded to there, I think one of the things that a lot of those that are quiet quitting are like really unsatisfied about is the lack of, you know, sort of training progression pathways, the ability to develop themselves as individuals. And I think investing in training, certainly in sort of harnessing digital assets to the best of their ability, that's going to work really, really well, not just in terms of making sure that people can sort of use technology, but it sort of gives them that fulfillment, doesn't it? It gives them that sense that they are, you know, developing as people and developing as individuals. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, I think it, it was Richard Branson. There's a quote which I, I've used quite often, which is, you know, train people so that they can leave, but treat them so they don't want to. Mm. And, and I, I think that is, is really important that, you know, the having more skilled employees is only going to be a benefit for you. You know, they'll be, they'll be better at their jobs. Yeah. But, but as you say, they'll be more fulfilled as people, you know, which makes people happier to come to work, more productive. And, and, you know, is, it's kind of the point of everything really, you know, being a, a fulfilled person, growth mindset, improving and progressing so as a as a business as a leader you know that should be one of your objectives at all times really to to, to help your people grow and, and expand their skill set 
Um, you know, whether you're doing it just to make sure they don't leave, you know, that's one thing, but doing it because it's, you know, the right thing, I think is a, a great business ethos. Um, and, and yeah, you know, it will, sh- yeah, sure, some people will, um, will move on, but people move on because they're not being trained and because they're not being skilled up. So, you know, at least you'll have a happy workforce. Um, so, yeah, I, I think training, very important. Um, you know, some of it will be, will be mandated by the, by the business. You know, we need you to be skilled in mm. these areas. But I think where possible, allowing staff to say, do you know what, I'm quite interested in this. You know, can, you, can you help me get skilled up in it? Even if it isn't, you know, a core part of your business, um, I think that that helps everyone ultimately. It does absolutely, and um, I suppose another driver behind the great resignation as well, besides that kind of you know that lack of fulfilment and lack of progression, is the fact that people I think since the pandemic have become a lot more concerned about uh, the why, haven't they? They're much more sort of purpose driven, and if uh, the businesses that they work for aren't necessarily aligned with sort of their priorities, let's say they find that maybe I can actually go and get a job and go and work for a business that's more sort of aligned to sort of what it is that I want to do and uh, how I believe that business should be operating. And so sustainability, I think, is one of those big things that's become a major part of that. And you might think, just sort of generally looking at sort of IT and technology as a whole, that how can sustainability and IT actually be compatible? But that, again, is another misconception, isn't it? Because IT is showing that it certainly can be at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a growing concern within within IT, and there is kind of two sides to it. There's um, sustainability on premises, mm. and then sustainability in the cloud. Um, so on premises, you know, and this is a big part of, of IT asset management now. You know, most organisations will refresh their laptops on a fixed cycle, like you know, typically three years. Mm. But actually most of those laptops are probably still fine for, you know, 80% of them will still be fine for 80% of your people. So then it's, you know, having a, a more bespoke model and saying, right, you know, those laptops will keep, we'll put those on a five-year cycle, and then we'll just replace the ones which, you know, are defective or, or for certain job roles. Um, and I think it's something like 80% of the, the emissions of a laptop or a mobile device are, are generated in the creation of the device. Mm. So, you know, digging up all the the materials, putting it all together. So the fewer devices the organisations buy, the fewer devices are being created. So, you know that that's reducing uh, emissions already. Um, and and then you know looking at the way that people are using them, you know, extending life cycles again. Um, and then, you know, do you do you have a policy in place to maybe donate your old laptops to a, a local school or a charity or that kind of thing? You know, again, that sort of circular economy of um, just because you finished with it as a, you know, a large corporate doesn't mean that those devices don't have another, you know, three or four years in them, perhaps. Um, so that there's lots of, of things that can be done there. And, you know, IT asset managers have been doing this to one degree or another for quite some time, just as part of the 
charger asset management, IT asset disposition model. But now, you know, where organisations are looking at sustainability as a, a corporate objective, maybe you've got a chief sustainability officer in your organisation now, maybe you are one. Looking to ITAM is a great way of, of getting started. And, you know, there's already data, there's already processes and it's like gives you a foundation to build on and you know means that you're not starting from zero and um, so that there's lots of great stuff you can do on premises and then in the cloud you know the the cloud data centers from microsoft and amazon and google and everyone you know they use an enormous amount of electricity mm. and you know they, they generate an enormous amount of carbon so there's um, you know, in, in asset management in, in general, you know, there's a big focus on reducing cloud waste because that's wasted spend. And they, they, they reckon about a third of all cloud spend is wasted, you know, which is terrible from a budget perspective. But also having these things in the cloud where you're, you know, they're turned on, but you're not using them or they're much bigger than you actually need. That's also increasing the amount of carbon that, that's being used. So there's a really nice dovetail between um, cloud cost management and cloud sustainability, where you know you're, you're sort of doing the the same thing for for different reasons. Um, so again, anyone looking to to focus on cloud sustainability, if you've got a FinOps team or a cloud center of excellence or an asset management team, you know, go and talk to them and understand what you're doing already in, in trying to reduce your cloud waste. And that will you know, lead on to reducing your carbon too. Absolutely right. And these are things that are really food for thought for any entrepreneurs or business leaders out there that are looking to be more sustainable in the IT space. And uh, it's important to remember that um, it is also the cloud stuff as well as the on-site stuff, because we hear a lot of noise about sort of how dangerous e-waste can be and how difficult it is to recycle. And obviously, it's very easy to extend the life cycles of your devices and make sure that you're not sort of creating as much wastage in that sense. But I guess it's the uh, the cloud side of things that sometimes is easily missed, isn't it? Because the data centers aren't necessarily something that you think about, but obviously it is something that's happening and, you know, they are some of the uh, the big culprits in the uh, the industry. And uh, the reality is that um, although obviously IT is really making strides moving forward to try and obviously cut its footprint, I mean, it is one of those that is sort of fastest growing in terms of the uh, the emissions, isn't it? So it's important to really kind of get this right in, uh, in years to come. Yeah, and I think, you know, clouds... It's a funny one, you know, it's been around for, oh, was it 16 years, I think, since mm. AWS launched? Um, but in many ways, you know, it's still at the beginning of it, its journey for a lot of organizations. So, you know, we see lots of people, they're still in the process of migrating to the cloud. And there are things that you can do, you know, if you, uh, you know, right-size your on-premises infrastructure so before you put it in the cloud if you make sure everything you know there's no waste so you can kind of be meeting your sustainability goals in the cloud even before you move to the cloud um but yeah it's so easy to put things in the cloud turn them on you know forget about them mm. um and, and i think for an organization 
focusing on that from a cost perspective and a sustainability perspective should be uh, you know, very successful. It certainly should, absolutely. And so for any kind of entrepreneur out there, if you would sort of sit down in front of them and, uh, you know, maybe give them a little few sort of hints and tips as to how to kind of get started on their digital journey, if they were to really try and, you know, digitally transform their organisation, what are the key things that you would say in brief that, you know, you need to be considering and maybe you need to do in order to be successful? That is a very good question. Um, I mean, I think you know, certainly, you know, Cloud makes digital transformation so much easier. Mm. Um, you know, you can you can turn something on now that on premises would take you, you know, three years to build or, or something. Um, but it, it does lead to waste, you know, spend carbon, etc. So I think good governance, good processes around how you use clouds, um, particularly when it comes to data protection, you know, making sure that, that you're managing that side in the cloud. Um, but equally, you know, on-premises still still has a, a place. Mm. Uh, so I think, you know, a hybrid approach is going to be the way forward for most organizations where some things work better on-premises, some things it's, it's a SaaS product, other things it would be a, an IaaS or a PaaS product. Uh, so I think you know, don't get locked into to one model. Um, pick and choose the best bits for you. Um, and you know, yeah, make sure that your people understand where you're going. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing some work at the minute around OKRs, so objectives and key results and, and how you align those throughout a business and and digital transformation is a really good opportunity to do that you know why are you installing this new erp system or crm system or office suite whatever it might be you know if, if people understand why and you know they'll be much more likely to to get on board and, and help you so i think um i think yeah you know understanding the relationship between digital transformation and your people. Um, and I think as well, being aware of you know, y- your workforce, if you've got people of different generations, you know, what we're seeing, younger generations, much more in tune, sort of intuitively grasp the cloud and, mm. and what it is and, and things. But if, you, if you've got, um, you know, older people in your organization is making sure that they come along for the journey as well and, and that you don't leave them behind. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, you know, good, good asset management is, is key, you know, making sure you're not overpaying for software, making sure that you're not finding yourself non-compliant and thus risking you know, unexpected bills and, and things further down the line. Um, and, you know, when clouds, you know, really started to pick up, there was quite a, a general consensus that cloud would mean the end of asset management. You know, it's, it's all in the cloud. It's fine. It looks after itself. You can't go wrong, but you absolutely can. Um, and it's, you know, on-premises, the, the biggest challenge was probably making sure you weren't under licensed. In the cloud, 
it's making sure that you're not over licensed that you're not paying for things that you don't need for users that are no longer in your business um so i think although digital transformation and cloud is you know cutting edge and, and modern um you still need what some might see as legacy processes around governance and, and setting guardrails to make sure that your engineering teams have got some level of constraints. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it really is kind of marrying the two worlds, I think, between what what we you know are doing at the moment and, and what we will be doing and, and finding the, the balance. And I think every organization is struggling with that to some degree. You know, clouds, the speed of cloud is so much faster than the speed of on-premises. Mm. But you need to find a way of um, enabling that speed without losing control of it. Um, and that, I think, is is probably one of the most difficult things, but also, you know, working towards that for, you know, for CIOs, for CTOs, CEOs, etc. You know, that's kind of... Um, got to be up there on your your list of goals mm. um moving to the cloud digitally transforming but keeping um keeping it under control exactly right and just marrying it up with all of the processes that are in place isn't it because i think it's when you are able to digitally transform from the front end right to the back end of your business that's when it becomes incredibly clever isn't it plenty for certainly for listeners to uh, to think about that we've discussed on the uh, the program today and uh, just a reminder for anyone that is listening in to the uh, the show and you you know you feel that what we've talked about today does particularly resonate with you then you can leave a, a comment or um, a question to us and anything directed to uh, to rich will be passed directly on to him of course and you can do that via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us and if you are a business leader yourself with your own perspective to bring to the discussion table on this topic or any other topical matter or issue that may be relevant to you then just to remind you that you can bring your perspective directly to me and appear on the show yourself and your port of call for that would be leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um for now rich it's been fantastic welcoming you onto the uh, the program today and it's a shame that we're running short of time because it's a great topic isn't it it and it's something i could talk with you about all day but just before i do uh, let you go um i was wondering if um you know you had any sort of milestones of your own plan for the year for the next 12 months as you know you keep sort of helping um individuals and business leaders in the it asset management world yeah i mean next year for, for it there are a plethora of uh, price increases coming from from the big vendors mm. so helping people mitigate that will be a, a big focus um and as i mentioned the the okr side of things how do you use objectives and key results throughout your business to to align from the top to the bottom, so all your objectives are, are in sync. That's going to be something uh, that I'm focusing on for 2023 for sure. Um, and yeah, in general, as always, keeping up with Microsoft licensing, all the changes, and uh, helping people understand those. Fantastic. And I do wish you all the luck in the world and really helping individuals with that uh, journey. And uh, as well, Rich, I do hope um, you have a really successful year ahead and it'd be good to catch up and have you back on the show and just see how it's all coming together for you in future, I'm certain. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, love to come back uh, whenever you want. 
Yeah, I'd certainly relish that opportunity, Rich. And thanks again for taking the time to join us on the show because without the likes of yourselves coming and taking the time to speak with us, we couldn't create the content that we do here at the Leaders' Council to really share that knowledge for the next generation. So thank you ever so much again for that. And uh, to everybody tuning in as well, I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed hearing from Rich Gibbons today, founder of Cloudy with a Chance of Licensing and director at the ITAM Review. Um, Until next time, I've been your host as always on today's episode of the Leaders' Council podcast, Scott Chaloner talking all things IT, sustainability and technology. And until next time, when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership and current affairs, please do take care all and goodbye.